Greetings and salutations, EOB Mafia. Welcome back to another next level installment of Evolution of Brand. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 160, I'm sharing the mic with marketing strategy aficionado, Brooke Chapman. Brooke and her team help small and mid-sized businesses properly plan their marketing approach, and today, she's dropping knowledge that will help you do the same. As we tap into the evolution of Brooks brand today, we'll be discussing why you can't let FOMO or the success of others on a particular platform dictate your approach, the elements you need to analyze and build your marketing foundation upon, whether or not giving away too much content has a negative impact on your brand, and strategies you can put into use today that will aid you in developing a marketing strategy that helps your brand win. All of this and much, much more is teed up for you on episode 160 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from yours truly. You want to know the biggest problem with podcast guesting, EOB Mafia? Too many people are overcomplicating it. Guests are joining podcasts and going into sales mode, they're treating it like it's a performance, and they're not taking advantage of the incredible networking and relationship building elements that make the podcast community so great. Now me... I'm all about doing things right, doing things strategically, and doing things with ease. I've narrowed podcast guesting down to three core fundamentals that will allow you to leverage podcast guest appearances as a primary piece of your brand building initiatives. If you want to attract new clients, generate more revenue, enhance your network, and achieve undeniable results, then you need to check out what I have in store for you today. Visit podcastguestingsimplified.com to learn more. Brooke Chapman, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say hello to the EOB Mafia and share a time that you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. Uh, look, I'm a bit hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm a big believer in gut instinct, so I'm pretty tuned tuned into you know what uh, I think is right. So, but I think if I you know could use one example, um, it would actually be uh, with uh, one of my two of my partners. We had a disagreement about someone that we were thinking about hiring. I really wanted him. They really sort of had reservations. And I said, you know, we've just got to take a chance on this guy. Um, I just know that it's going to be right. And he ended up being one of the best hires that we've had in our business. So, you know, I think really just, you know, chipping into that gut instinct um, and having those difficult conversations, being provocative, uh, it can really pay off for you, particularly in that business setting. That's pretty cool. I remember a past job that I had received. I remember being told after I got the job that, a couple of people did not want to hire me, but what the person that was telling me the story said, we had, I had a feeling and I made sure that I made that very, very well known. And it worked out for a little while and I'm no longer there, but it is what it is. But you're right. Yeah, I think the magic happens when you've got a little bit of tension and maybe there's mm -hmm. someone that you, you might not hang out with on a Friday night or want to be best friends with, but they bring something different to the table. So, you know, you've got to have that mix for sure. It's amazing. We can coexist without agreeing on everything, right? Who knew? I know. Yeah. Wild, wild world that we live in these days, right? Well, Brooke, I'm so glad that you were able to take some time to join me here on Evolution of Brand today. We're going to have a very powerful conversation about small and mid-sized businesses today in regards to their marketing strategy. And I know that you have a wealth of knowledge to bring to the microphone on that subject. Before we dig into all of that, Take a moment to tell us who you are and how your brand has evolved over the years. 
Yeah, sure. So look, you know, Jason, we're a relatively young business. Um, there's three of us that are directors. We've been doing this for, for a couple of years. Um, we're all CMOs of large multinationals. That's our background. And what we saw when we looked at the market was that, you know, the big end of town, you know, large enterprises and multinationals, they have strategy covered. They've got a CMO. They've got someone like me in there looking after it, fighting the battles, tying everything together and making sure that there's, you know, some sort of strategy on the table. With SMBs, they just don't have access to that. You know, and when I talk about SMBs, it's businesses turning anywhere over anywhere from a million to, you know, $100 million. So what we see with, with that sort of area of the market, which is the majority of businesses, uh, you know, out there, is that they tend to do marketing without any sort of strategy. So it's just a bunch of tactics, random acts of marketing, as we call them. And then there's a lot of waste and uh, not a lot of ROI. So uh, we got together and we said, you know, let's develop a framework, um, something that's repeatable, it can be proven, and businesses can cycle through it again and again to be able to, to achieve results um, from their marketing dollars. So we developed the nine boxes framework. We, if I'm honest, we've been in business for a couple of years, but we've been using it for about 10 years. Uh, it was a long development process to get it right. But, you know, now we've, we've got operations in Australia, New Zealand, uh, the United Kingdom, and we'll soon be coming to the US. Um, so we work with, uh, you know, all different types of businesses, but um, it's around putting them through our framework and giving them um, marketing strategy so that they can really get sustained business growth. And, you know, they, they don't, they aren't left with that awful feeling that marketing doesn't work. And I'd have to assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, one of the biggest wastes that people experience when they don't have that strategy in place is time. I'm sure resources, yeah. money, obviously that's going to deplete as well, but that time factor I feel that's one of the biggest feel or biggest reasons that so many people burn out with their small and mid-sized businesses because they're investing all of this time into these seem like strategies, but they're not necessarily directed the way they need to be. And because of that, things fall apart in the long run or even oh, the short you're exactly run. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're exactly right. We see businesses that are like, there's this very real FOMO. With with small to medium business leaders, they see a competitor on TikTok. Oh, well, I need to be on TikTok. And, you know, I've got to be here and I've got to be there. And I'm in all these channels and I'm spending all this time on it. But I'm actually in none of these channels in a meaningful way. And have I actually stepped back to think about whether that's how my customers want to engage with me? So, yeah. you know, it's by, by taking some time, doing some planning, we can make sure that, you know, what you're doing, it might be more simple. It might not take as much time, um, but it might be more effective. It's so amazing how one person's success on a platform will lead us to believe we have to be there too, without looking at that big picture. I know I've fallen prey to that. I have not been contributing much content to TikTok because I was the same way. And I had heard enough people say, this is where it's happening. And I got on there and guess what? It wasn't happening for me. And that's okay. I wasn't, I didn't, I looked at that as a, okay, this was something to try. I need to see if this really can pan out for me. And maybe I didn't put as much emphasis into it as I could have, but that's also a big part of it is when you are trying to put attention on all of these platforms, your attention is going to be divided by definition. And it's so hard to suck that much bandwidth out of yourself. It's come up here before. And I believe this is the reason why it's so hard yeah. to get to that point where you feel like the FOMO isn't a big part of your life and you can proceed the way you need to. Oh, you're completely right. These channels are hungry. They're hungry for cash. They're hungry for content. They're hungry for creative. There's a lot of time, effort, money, resources you've got to put into being present in these channels. So what we see is that um, SMBs tend to be kind of present, 
in these channels and that it just doesn't have any impact. Even large businesses, um, you know, we've just seen um, Airbnb over the last 12 months did a big review of all of their advertising and, you know, they were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on search and, and coming up you know, high in the search rankings, and they've actually removed that budget. Um, oh. they, they, made, they ran some tests and they found out that it actually didn't impact the business that was coming through when they removed it or they, or they very heavily reduced it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've always got to be thinking, um, what could we be doing better? Where could we be saving? And, and the biggest question of all is, you know, are we speaking to our customers and actually learning from them how they're buying, where they're researching and where we need to be present because you might find that you don't need to be present in as many places as you think. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into that marketing strategy. Why do you believe there is a strategy gap for so many small and mid-sized businesses today? Do you think it's a lot of what we've already talked about with trying to be too many places at once or is there other factors in play that we need to be aware of? Yeah, look, there's definitely a huge preoccupation in marketing with being tactical and, you know, just getting that campaign out, you know, rebranding, changing this, doing that. And, you know, something's got to tie it all together there. You know, marketing is one of in modern business. Marketing is one of the broadest disciplines there is. It covers all manner of things. So you need an overarching strategy that drives everything forward. We kind of say that it's like um, building a house without foundations. Uh, If you don't have that foundation, it kind of all falls apart pretty quickly. So the strategy really um, makes sure that, you know, whatever you're doing in a tactical sense is going to land and is going to, you know, hopefully be successful because you've done the work, you've done the preparation and planning. So when we talk about, you know, the strategy gap, what we typically see, we call it the impossible cycle. Um, What we see is businesses get a bit of budget. They're really excited because they're about to start marketing. They'll either go to an agency or they'll do it themselves. If they do it themselves, quite often there's a, a not a high level of capability or marketing capability within the business, which means that there can be problems with execution. If they go to an agency, sometimes they don't give the best brief and the agency does their best. But if a business has not done customer research and understands, you know, the buyer's journey and understands the channel mix right for them, understands the right message, an agency is not going to be able to do it all for them. So, you know, what we find is they, they either do it themselves, they go to an agency, it's very terribly exciting when the campaign goes live, but it consists of random acts of marketing. And a few months down the line, everyone's disappointed. Um, sometimes the agency cops it in the neck and, and, and gets moved on. And, and the SMB leader starts to think, you know, marketing just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for our business. But the reality is if they'd had a strategic platform to work from, it, it could have been a different story. So um, that's what we, we do with the businesses we work with. We try and just take that time to set it up right so that when you get to the pointy end where you're spending money and you're setting those campaigns live, you know, you really get the return you're looking for. So what's the best way to avoid that cycle? Or even if someone listening has gotten into that negative type of cycle, how do they break it so they can proceed the right way? And again, if someone's at the beginning of this, instead of making those mistakes, what should they focus on from the very beginning with that strategy to ensure they get started on the right foot and then things continue to grow as they move forward? Yeah, great question. It's not a quick fix. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, it, it, it takes a little while to make sure that you've got your strategy in place and, and that it's the right one for you. 
in our framework, uh, it's called the nine boxes because there are nine boxes. There are nine areas of marketing and sales that you need to look at and determine, right, what have we got? What haven't we got? And what have we got to build? And that's where our framework, you know, we, we work with businesses so that um, they can hit the right level of capability across all nine. But if I was to pick a few things out, so that the, the cheat sheet guide, number one is reviewing your market position. So a lot of businesses don't do this and you should be reviewing and refining your market position roughly every two years. We've just seen post-pandemic or, you know, we're still kind of in the pandemic, but, you know, with everything that's happened in the last couple of years, most markets have changed. Most customer behavior has changed. So if businesses that are listening have not recently checked in with their customers, they've not done a scan of their market, they need to be doing that because things have shifted um, and behavior is different. So reviewing your position and making sure that on a, on a blank page where there are all of your customers or where there are all of your competitors, I should say, is there white space around you or is there someone that's doing exactly the same thing as you? How are you differentiating um, and how are you making yourself different in the market? And why would customers choose to work with you as opposed to other businesses? So position is a major one and we spend a lot of time on that. The next one is speaking to customers. So this doesn't have to be a really expensive exercise. Uh, you can speak to 10 customers. You can send out an online survey um, to your database determine a few questions that you want to understand. Why are customers buying from you and not the shop down the road? What could you do to improve? What else do they want to be buying from you or, or what services are they looking for from you? So you know, some of those questions um, and, and also how are they researching and buying? So some of those questions can give you a lot of insight as to how you need to craft your marketing strategy and what you should be doing differently. From those customer insights, you can plot your buyer's journey pathways. Uh, and then that informs your channel mix. So whatever your customers tell you, then that's what the channel mix should follow. Are they on social media and buying that way? Is it Facebook? Is it PR? Is you know What are the channels that they're using? What's influencing them? Sort of getting that buyer behavior. So they're probably the top four things that we look at as a matter of course. And that all comes before you know, the exciting things around campaign and brand and all of those things that people get very preoccupied with. You've, you've got to do the work first before you start to think in those spaces. Thinking that way, I, I'm just, I'm chuckling because it it's, it's such a time saver. And I think of even my own approaches over the years, and it was all guided by what others said, oh, this is what, this is how you do it. And I, I know that it's changed to some degree, but I know back in the day, Every, oh, got to get on Facebook, got to get on Twitter, got to get on Instagram, got to be here, got to be there. And again, you start putting all of your thoughts and all of your planning into how do I do that? And then you eliminate everything that you just laid out and everything that you just laid out over the last few minutes makes so much more sense. And it's going to build that stable foundation on which you can build all of these other quote unquote fun approaches to making people aware of your brand, of your products, of your message. But it's putting the cart in front of the horse. If you do that, you're going to be in a bad, bad way. Oh, totally. And, you know, we what we find is if, if you haven't reviewed your position, if you haven't spoken to customers, if you don't know the buyer's journey, and if you haven't picked your channel mix on that basis, when you are in market, everything's just a little bit wrong. <laughs> And it's really hard to pull that back. So, you know, we, it's, it's, it can be very wise to just work on those fundamentals initially. And then you can get into Facebook, but it's going to be right and it's going to land and people are going to come to your website and people are going to buy from you. So, but, but it's just businesses are looking for instruction and framework and support because um, marketing strategy is not clear cut. <laughs> Uh, and it's different for every business and it's different for every market. So having a framework to guide you through it can really, really help. 
that was the key word is that it's or key words, I should say that it's different for everybody. And it's hard to apply a cookie cutter approach to this type of thing. And if you feel that you're going to do exactly what this brand over here did to find the success that you need, again, that's going to put you in a very bad spot and more than likely a deficit that you're going to have to try to come back from, which can make all of your efforts very, very difficult. Well, how many times have we seen that where two companies might be working in the same market, going after the same group of customers and company A has this successful campaign or brand positioning or, or some sort of initiative, company B goes, you know, I'm going to jump on that. And it, it just spectacularly falls apart because the brand personality of that other company is different. You know, the offering is slightly different. You know, we should be looking for differences and zeroing in on our target markets as opposed to copying others. It, it rarely goes well. So yeah, it's it, that you, you've got to really, you know, hold the mirror up, look at the business you are, the business you want to be, and then determine the best pathway forward for your individual business. Brooke, let me ask you this. In a world that encourages us to share a large amount of content to showcase our expertise, do you feel brands give away too much regarding their strategy when they do this? That's a good question. Look, I am a firm believer in sharing. Uh, I, I think that you, as a brand, you've got nothing to gain by holding back. I think that you should really share, um, you know, I don't believe in um, putting content up that's a nuisance and it's just, you know, death by content, but I don't think that you should be holding back tactics. I think that if you're really secure in the business you are and you're claiming your space, you should feel really free to, to share that with your consumers and, and also with your competitors. In most markets, the enemy of them is actually not the competitor. It's you know, adjacent markets or its business, it's, it's, it's customers going into other fields. Uh, if we can grow the size of the market together as a collective group of competitors, that's usually a really good thing. So, um, you know, I've, I've always worked in, uh, you know, in my corporate career, when I worked in businesses, I was a um, fan of sharing more and hoping that everybody would be lifted up um, in that process. So, you know, that's my view. Clearly, there are some areas where, you know, you've got trade secrets and you've got things like that that you don't want to share. But I think by and large, um, the more content and the more information that you can give to customers and consumers, the more they trust you and the more loyal they will be to you and the more you'll be that authority in your particular area of expertise. I agree with you. And, and presenting that information to people does position you as a thought leader. And the more that you do that, the more consistency you build, the more trust you build, and the right people are going to be attracted to what you have to say. And likely from there, they're going to come to your website, follow your calls to action, become a part of your orbit. Gives you so many more opportunities to make an impact. I asked that question deliberately because I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. And I could not agree with you more because I feel like the more that we are collaborative in nature and we work together, and I'm thinking I'm in the podcast space, the more great podcast content we can put into the world, the more people are going to jump on it, sink their teeth in and want to be a part of it. Therefore, it's going to make it much easier for us to continue to push this medium forward. If we were all, I mean, if I, was, if I was sitting here telling everybody, don't listen to this podcast and don't listen to that podcast and they're all in my space, I'd be doing everybody a disservice because I feel that that amount of knowledge being readily available for you at little to no cost is tremendously powerful. Again, whenever I bring somebody here on the show, I'm always thinking collaboratively. When I make a guest appearance, same thing. When I'm coaching others on guest appearances, 
same thing. It's all about collaboration and working together to create the greatest piece of content you can because it could change the world. But if you don't work together, you could find yourself buried. Totally. Like, I think there's the pie is big enough for everyone to get a slice, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and, and we see this like markets expand, it, it, they generally expand more than they contract. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you've just got, you've got to be secure that you're on a sure footing with your offering, you know, that you've, you've, you've got something that people want to purchase. And the other point is storytelling. People connect mm. with storytelling. Yeah. So the more you can share of yourself and of your business and get that brand personality across and like you say, thought leadership, that sticks in people's minds. And brand salience is one of the holy grails that we are trying to achieve as marketers you know you can advertise until the cows come home but that brand salience which comes from a range of different areas is really one of the key things that that propels people to buy so and and to buy from your company so it's incredibly important to be able to achieve that it's funny too because we're speaking to small and mid-sized businesses today how many customers can you really take on and give them the attention they need from what you're promising them. If you grow so fast, it's impossible unless you can expand your team very quickly or, or have a plan for that already in motion. Why help helping out your friend is not the worst thing in the world and yeah. perpetuating yeah. your industry forward. Totally. You know, you, you, we, in all cases, we speak to businesses and we're like, what are your sustainable growth plans? Because We've seen it happen before, you know, these businesses are on this trajectory and, um, you know, how much brand damage is created when they flood the market with their message, they create a whole heap of business and then they can't service it. And they're, they're not they're not long for this world in that case. Right. So, you know, you, you want it to be sustainable and, you know, you, you want to be seen as a good player in your market and you can be collaborative, you can be helpful and, and, and still be a leader and, and, and still have very loyal customers. Brands like I said before about brand personality, you you have to think about just like we think, you know, are we someone that someone will want to hang out with in a bar on a Friday night or go have a coffee with on a Saturday morning? People want to be associated with brands and be loyal to brands that make them feel good and they feel a good corporate citizens and they feel, you know, are, are helping others. Um, nobody really wants to be a proponent of those kind of, you know, evil brands. So, you know, just think about what you're building and there definitely is enough space for everybody to, to have their slice. Brooke, give us some tips. And I know you, you have touched on this already with what you look at and we should be looking at those same ideals as well, but Give us some tips and some strategies on how to develop this repeatable, proven framework that will not only serve our clients, but also provide us as the agency, as the brand, with a little bit of protection around our efforts at the same time. Yeah, so um, look, we, we, we start our engagements with um, our benchmark. So we've got an online benchmarking tool. We ask um, all business leaders who are engaging with us to go in and, and take a survey. It's 10 minutes, 45 questions, and um, it co- covers those nine areas. And it's, it, it is what, it, what we call it. It's a benchmark. It gives you an initial read as to how you're performing with marketing strategy across those nine areas. We get businesses to take that every six months and it's amazing to see how they change. Sometimes they just sort of keep going up and they improve. Sometimes they take the first benchmark. The second one might be lower because the six months in between, they've actually, when they've been working with a strategist, they've been learning 
what strategic marketing actually is and it was completely different to what they thought because before they thought it was the campaigns and it was the Facebook ads and it was the website. So that's really interesting. So I think having those markers where you're reviewing every six months, doing redoing your benchmark, reviewing your ROI, what has your marketing delivered for the money that you've put into it? What are you doing better now than you were doing six months ago? And, you know, looking at the nine areas really helps you to break it down. So you know, you've got to be systematic. As I said before, marketing covers all manner of things and we either get too narrow or we get too broad and nothing kind of changes. So um, make sure that you're looking at all of those nine areas, they're prioritised and that, you know, you're systematically working through a program of work to improve all of those areas over time. Brooke, as we get ready to wind everything down today, if the person listening to our conversation today wants to put more emphasis on this strategy right now, as soon as they are done listening to our conversation, what would you recommend to them as step one? Step one would be to go to our website. Um, we are offering your listeners um, free access to our benchmark. Um, so if you're a business leader, take the benchmark free of charge. It'll give you an initial score as to how you're performing at the moment. Um, if you're an agency, we work with agencies all the time to plug strategy gaps for your clients. So, you know, get on there and, and take the benchmark um, and then, you know, we can jump on a call and I can can talk you through what the, the scores mean and what a program looks like moving forward for you. I'll make sure I put the link in the show notes, but for those listeners that may be driving or at the gym right now, what is the link that they can visit to get access to that benchmark survey? Sure. It's three by three.com T H R E E B Y number three.com. Like I said, I will put that in the show notes so everyone can access that highly encourage you to do that and get started with this strategy. It's going to save you a lot of time. It's going to save you a lot of effort. It's going to put everything in the right on the right course for you as you move forward with your brand. Brooke, thank you so much for bringing all this great value to the podcast today. Before I let you go, if you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game for you today, what would it be? Uh, it's not all about you. <laughs> I think that's something that I've learned over time. You know, when you're a young practitioner and you're a young executive, you know, you think that all of these things are happening and, you know, it's all about you. you you've got to sit back, observe, listen, learn, and, you know, make your decisions. Don't just react. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that's, that's been a hard, hard learned knowledge for me. Well, I think that is sound advice for us all. And once again, Brooke, thank you so much for bringing all this great knowledge, wisdom, and expertise to Evolution of Brand today. Thanks very much, Jason. appreciate it. Good conversation. EOB Mafia, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and Brooke today. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com, click on the archives link, then go to episode 160. Or head straight to jasonsircone.com slash Brooke Chapman for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. If you'd like to show your support for Evolution of Brand, rate, review, follow, and subscribe. It's all appreciated. But above all else, if you got something from today's episode, please recommend it to one person in your circle who you know will feel the impact as well. You've been listening to Evolution of Brand. Until our paths cross again, this is Jason Sircone reminding you to never stop evolving. <laughs>